Hey friends, it's Eric here. Thanks for listening to the Building Us podcast. Hey, I want to invite you to follow me on my new show, Stuff About Money They Didn't Teach You in School, where I take a deeper dive into money and financial topics. You can find it wherever you listen to your podcast, Stuff About Money They Didn't Teach You in School. I hope to see you there. If I ignore outside of our immediate family, it never feels like paranoia. It's only when I see other people's reactions to what we have to do that I start to feel like maybe I'm crazy. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. This is real. And that's been the hardest part for me is other people's reactions to this and then how I internalize that. Like, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not crazy. This is necessity. Welcome back to the Building Us Podcast, a show all about relationships, relationships to our family, our friends, our money, our our community, to each other and everything in between. This is a show about love and money. This is Building Us. Hey, I'm Dr. Matt Morris, couples counselor and family therapist, joined always by my friend and very distinguished co-host, certified financial planner and, and other things, Eric Garcia. Hey, Eric, how's it going? Other things. What's up, Matt? You're a chicken owner and a dad and a husband and all this other stuff. All those things, yes. A renaissance man, right? And uh, I don't know about I don't that know about, far. I don't, but... What does that even mean? I don't even know what that means. <laughs> like you can paint and cook. I can cook, can't paint. It's for sure. Okay. We are today, we have a, uh, a very, very special guest and I won't get into that yet. Eric, we've been doing some shows on um, f- things that families might struggle with, and particularly parenting special needs kids. And we've had a few of these different ep- episodes. Where, where can folks find out about that? Yeah, so you can always go to the website, www.building-us.com. If you are on Instagram, we'd love for you to follow us there. It's Building Us Podcast. So Building Us Podcast on Instagram. You can find all of our latest episodes there, but wherever you listen to podcasts, you can subscribe. Apple, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, the list goes on. If, you, if you've got it, we're probably on it. Just look for the Building Us podcast and you can listen to us there. It's a, The logo is really cool. It's a $100 it bill folded into a heart, which I think really captures what we're about in some way. It's the essence so, so we have, I mentioned a very special guest and I'm not overselling this. This is a, a very like first for our podcast, very special guest. Today we have a family member. We do. This is probably my favorite guest that we've ever had ever better and be. will ever have. <laughs> what? It better be. So we're joined today by Jen Garcia, Eric's wife. That's right. And on my screen, he, I don't know. Is this know. a couples counseling session? Could be. Here in... It might be. Like, I don't know about on your screen, but on on, on my screen, you're in the middle, Matt. You're kind of between mm-hmm. us. It's almost like you're mediating us. Uh-huh. Yep. Same here. In my On my screen, I know, listeners, you can't see. This is an audio show, obviously, but we can still see each other. We use a video recording platform. Eric, you are next to Jen, and each time you reach to your left, it's like you're touching her. It's really soothing. Nice. Your hand disappears. The other way, the other way. Yeah. Anyway. So, Eric, 
do you want to introduce Jen? Jen, do you want to introduce yourself? How do you want to do it? Introduce yourself, babe. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jen Garcia. That's Jen Garcia, and mother of Jennifer <laughs> Garcia, my wife of 20 years. We made 20 years of marriage this year, Matt. It's pretty cool. Um, it is. I know you and your wife are like a year ahead of us. So we're, we're trying to catch That's up. That's great. That's great. Yeah. We're trying to catch up. But uh, we have three beautiful children, 17, 14, and eight. My wife does not like to, to brag about herself, but she is a uh, phenomenal educator. She is a math whiz genius. She uh, is a math tutor. Uh, she has taught our kids most. Oh, she's taught all of our kids up to high school, and, and except the youngest. Um, but she's just an all-around awesome person. Thanks, Bay. <laughs> you're welcome, uh, Jen. Your introduction of yourself was like, "Hi, Hi. Eric's was a lot longer." <laughs> Yeah. So Eric's the reason talker. we ha we have my wife on this call with us, Matt, you mentioned that we've done some uh, episodes on um, special needs parenting. Uh, we had an episode with uh, Erica and Austin Enfield on apraxia. Uh, we recently did an episode with Dave and Andrea Crothers uh, with their son, Ethan, in, in their special circumstances. And this show is going to be on food allergies. Uh, our, our oldest has severe food allergies. So it's certainly a, a special needs situation in parenting. So I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to step back and let you host this show. So this is, this Thanks, is a first man. for me as a guest on my own podcast. Yeah. So you, you all, I know that I know your son and I know uh, who we're talking about. So I know that this has been part of your life for as long as I've known you all. Um, so you're, you're the parent of a kid with a severe food allergy, just just introduce your son to us for a minute and particularly, you know, introduce him now, but also introduce how you, how you found out about this. How did you discover this as a young couple with a very young kid? Well, um, it actually started when he was quite young. We, well, I was breastfeeding, um, tried to give him a bottle of formula when he was about four months old and had a head to toe reaction turned bright red. And I only recognized it as a food allergy reaction because as a teacher, I had been taught to recognize them by um, some training that we had to do um, for our students that might have food allergies. So that was, it was pretty scary. Um, he was also wheezing Um so that was our first trip to the hospital um, for food allergies. Four I, months old. Four months old. I remember. I remember that call. I work about five minutes from from where we lived at the time, and uh, she called. Something's happening. Come home. He's having some type of reaction. I remember driving home, and you know, in cartoons, when um, the cartoon characters are getting angry or something, you can see that the level, the red, kind of rise in their in their head, right? Almost yeah. like a thermometer. That's that's almost exactly what it looked like. You could see the red it just kind of crawled up. across his body. Yeah, and that was actually the first time oh, we I had to argue with doctors over. Oh yeah, his um, reaction. At nurses, the nurses recognized it right away as a food allergy, and the doctor blamed me for not taking care of his cradle cap. 
So it took many more months and many more pictures of him trying new foods um, to and switching pediatricians to have a pediatrician that recognized it as a food allergy and then sent us to an allergist at nine months. And this is your oldest child. So you, this is your first, first baby. We didn't know you what didn't we were have, doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Welcome to parenthood. <laughs> <laughs> right. Your kid can't eat your wife's favorite. My wife lived on dairy. So yeah, he's got a dairy and peanut allergy and Jen lived on dairy. And if you've ever been the parent, if you've ever know about breastfeeding, anything mom eats passes through breast milk to the kid. So there's that. Obviously, I'm not the, at the mom, but I, you know, there's that that burden of knowing that oh my gosh, I've been eating stuff that has been causing absolute discomfort. Like he never slept. As I mean, he never slept. As, I don't know how old he was until he first slept slept through the night. He was four. And to know to find out, <laughs> yeah, four. I remember. <laughs> four. He was four when he, he first, slept, when through he first slept through the night, and that was with a lot of antihistamines. And one of the things that comes that's pretty common with with food allergies is. Um, atopic dermatitis or eczema. So he also has severe eczema, which is sometimes a, a, a kind of goes in tandem with food allergies. And he's 17 now. So this is something you guys have been managing for a long time and, and managing as a couple, but also teaching him to manage and then uh, including your, your other family members in that. So talk about, talk a little bit how, about how, dangerous this is you you've described it a couple of times as a severe food allergy um what kind of severity are we we really talking about for you guys well we noticed as a toddler that anytime he would touch his allergen he would break out in hives so just touching it was causing him some pain and discomfort if he got any inside his eyes or his mouth it was an almost immediate reaction to where his blood pressure drops. Um, sometimes he projectile vomits. He, um, as a baby, would describe, I say baby, two, three-year-old, describe a rock in his throat getting bigger um, or wasps stinging his throat. Um, so, And it's pretty scary how fast that can happen. It's within probably five minutes that he's telling us there's a rock in my throat or I'm having a re now he says I'm having a reaction. Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty scary how fast that can go. Yeah. So there, there's a difference, Matt, between food allergies and food sensitivities. And that's one of the challenges. There's a lot of people who have food sensitivities or intolerances. If they eat dairy, they have, you know, digestive issues, or if they eat gluten, they have, I'm not, you know, minimizing that, but they have, they have digestive issues, not necessarily life-threatening, certainly discomfort, but not life-threatening. So his, his is a yeah. legitimate allergy where I think they say like, um, the majority of people who have quote unquote food allergies, only a small percentage, five, 6% of those are actually, um, allergens and it's it's an aller it's an allergy to the to the protein to the milk protein or the proteins in the peanut as opposed to most intolerances tend to be 
to the sugars or the lactose. You hear people being lactose intolerant. Mm. Uh, so yeah, as Jen described, anaphylaxis typically is is it's a pretty general it's a pretty general you know reaction. It's typically two two, two things: symptoms. vomiting, two of the severe symptoms, yeah, vomiting, right? Vomiting, hives, uh, closing of the throat, blood pressure dropping. Um, any two of those, and there might be some more on the list. Would 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 consider would be considered anaphylaxis. So yeah, if he eats something and his throat starts to close, he, um, you know, we, we carry an EpiPen with us, which is EpiPens, basically just a shot plural. of epinephrine. <laughs> EpiPens. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason uh, we carry more than one is that they, they just buy you time to get to the hospital. I think a lot of people think that EpiPens cure the reaction. They are just a dilator of your breathing airways. So, and they typically only last about 15 minutes. So even when we travel, um, anywhere we go, it's a constant thought of where's the nearest hospital? How would I get there? Um, or would I have to call an ambulance? Mm. But the, the only thing that would, that actually stops the reaction is steroids and antihistamines and a lot of them. So how many times uh, you talked about discovering this mm-hmm. when he was four months old and it happened through this, uh, this rash that you were able to see on him and, uh, and you know, as a four-year-old, he really can't talk to you about that. And and then as a toddler, he really can't talk that much about it. And even as a little little kid, he can't talk that much about it. So, how 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 did you see this progress when he was little? And how like how dangerous did it get at times? Did you did, has he been hospitalized for this? Um, he's definitely been to the emergency room. He's never had to stay overnight for a reaction. As a toddler. Um, you know, I was around all the time, so I was able to see when his reactions would start, and usually it was just on the skin and wiping it off, or Benadryl was enough to stop reactions. If he ever got something in his mouth, um, we were at a family party, and he ate a cake ball that someone swore up and down was safe, didn't have milk, didn't have peanut. Um, within a few minutes, he told us that he had a rock in his throat. And he started to pass out. And at that point, we were trying to get him to swallow Benadryl. And we did have to use the EpiPen on the way to the hospital. And it does work. Um, It's amazing how fast it works. Um, But again, it only buys you time. And then once you get to the hospital, it's usually a six-hour stay to where they monitor to make sure you don't have a biphasic reaction where it can actually come back. Um, So... It's it's a it's a long stay for an ER, but we've never had to stay overnight. Thank goodness. Yeah. And and biphasic and, and reactions, scary. getting biphasic there. reactions can happen within what twenty four hour period. Right. Yeah. So you have to make sure that that first round of steroids is is working, and there's always still that kind of. It's scary to go that, home knowing that, like, okay, I have these medicines. Yeah. Are they going to work? Is this going to come back? Do I put him to sleep? Do I let him go to sleep by himself? Um, even now as a teenager, if he has a reaction, you better believe that door is open and that we're listening, um, for him if he needs any help. Um, but you know, some of that's on him now that he's older, which is good, but also scary because as teenagers, you know, they're impulsive or they might blow things off or they might think they're invincible. Um, so it's, it's definitely 
been a process of teaching him how to handle this. So Jen, Jen yeah. is like, uh, uh, he couldn't have been born to a better, to a better mom to handle this. Um, she has been, she's, she's just phenomenal in terms of just caring for him since he, since he's been a toddler, um, you know, breastfeeding, she gave up all milk. I mean, she, she basically went on a dairy free diet. Um, when we were looking to put him in school, well, early on, we actually enrolled him in a, in a small, um, little a small school down the street we knew the teacher small class sizes and the 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 teacher is a family friend and they 100% accommodated uh, his allergy to where birthday parties we we were able to provide a snack list or we provided all the snacks well yeah we had to provide the food um for preschool any um I mean, some of the snacks they were able to purchase, but if we had any special things, king cakes, birthday parties, we had to make that yeah. for every kid um, to make sure that he could go or he couldn't attend that and, day. And what, what, what? Yeah, like let's say my kid's in the class with Josh and it's my kid's birthday. Right. I would say, I made the cupcakes. Yeah, I'll bring the cake, Jen. <laughs> I'll bring the cake. Don't worry about it. I'll bring it. And you would, <laughs> you or, or sometimes what no. happened. <laughs> Um, and, and we've had people try to bring stuff and, and I feel bad because they really want to, I mean, we have had some friends that really want to go the distance and, um, you know, bring stuff that's safe for him. But unless you can guarantee that your house is pet free or dairy free or peanut free, it's, it's a risk of cross contamination. Our family members, when they want to cook for him, usually come cook in our kitchen. Um, because it's just terrifying mm-hmm. to think about cooking in your own kitchen. Yeah. So w- when he was mm-hmm. in, in preschool, we would, you know, our, the teachers accommodated. It was fantastic. And it was right down the street from our house. So it was easy. Uh, when he would get invited to birthday parties, sometimes he either went and what tended to happen is the, the parents on the party would accommodate and throw the cake at the end of the party. And we would typically leave. We really right. didn't want him to to be isolated and excluded from, from certain events. So it took a lot of kind of a lot of coordination on, on, um, on our, I say our, well, and it was also a risk of them eating the food and then touching him. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of times kids are allergic to foods, but not on contact or airborne. Um, the problem with Josh is that not only is it internal, but if he touches it or can smell it, he can have reactions. Um, so that's why we typically tend to leave if there's yeah. food. And in high school, he's been able to speak up for himself. If like, for instance, a teacher brought in donuts because they thought that was nice for the kids. Um, and he wound up having to take the test outside in the hallway um, or asking, hey, can we eat this later? Or can we hold class somewhere else where I'm not smelling um, the pizza the entire time we walked, we went to DC on a, on a, on a family vacation several, more than several years ago. Um, and we walked into a restaurant and immediately, immediately upon walking in the restaurant, he said, the air is thick in here. I'm having a hard time breathing. We walked out and he's like, oh, I can breathe again. Just, just entering the, mm. the, the cafe or the, it wasn't a cafe. It was like a, a diner or something. Mm-hmm. He could sense. And that was his first airborne 
reaction that I can recall. And I remember taking him to the allergist and asking, like, is this a real thing? Is this psychosomatic? And she was like, no, it, it's a real thing. I don't have many patients that react that way, but it can happen. And so it's it's a lot of trusting that what he's saying is the truth. Yeah, because if I you do. don't trust and it is true, um, then then what? <laughs> right? The alternative's not not fun. Yeah, right. There's a there's an aspect of this that is a little bit like Russian roulette that you you might be okay and you might not. Right. And and the might not is really serious. Yeah, this is not like you're gonna have diarrhea for 24 yes. hours. <laughs> this is <laughs> yeah. You're gonna stop breathing, right? Not and and especially this is not with, drinking the water in Cancun. No. This is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you as a teenager, you know, obviously we allow our teenagers to make choices that sometimes we don't agree with. Um, but when it comes to his food allergy, it's dancing a fine line between being his authority. <laughs> Um, mm -hmm. he recognizes the seriousness of it. Uh, I mean, for example, he's at driver's ed this week, they're eating in the classroom. Um, and before the class started, I said, do you want me to handle this or do you want to? And he said that he would handle it. And every day you drop him off and you're like, I hope he doesn't have a reaction. I hope he can continue the class because this is an important part of growing up is learning to drive. Right. Yeah. How did you, how did you all, um, Explain all this to your family and get your extended families mm. on board with this. And how, how did that go? It was not. It didn't go well at first. If I, if I know one thing, <laughs> if I know one thing, grandparents and toddlers are not great at like wiping their hands, making sure stuff mm -hmm. is clean. Right. So it was. Um, how did it that wasn't go? until it didn't go well at first. I, I think they didn't maybe understand. Um, I mean, I don't think it was out of a place of them wanting to hurt. Um, but food allergies in my parents' generation, I don't know of any, that they know anybody that had a food allergy. So explaining this to them, they, we got re responses like, why don't you just give them a little and see what happens? Mm -hmm. Um, which, you know, to us, we were like horrified, like, no, that would kill them. Um, but they didn't understand that. And it wasn't until we evacuated for Katrina, yeah. Hurricane Katrina, and lived with family in Houston, a lot of family in mm -hmm. Houston. And he broke out to a little kid that had eaten M&Ms who then kissed him on the cheek and he had her lip outline in hives. Hmm. Um, and the family was horrified. Is, is milk mm -hmm. chocolate? Is that it? Yep. It is milk chocolate. There's milk in M&Ms. There's milk in a lot of things. But sure. um, I think the family was horrified to see... They're like, what's going on? And I was like, well, he's allergic. <laughs> and he was two at this point. So it wasn't yeah. new information. The, the response was, um, we didn't realize it was that bad. We're like, we've been telling you for a year <laughs> that it's that bad. Right. Yeah. Like, but they just, she just touched they him. Couldn't. She just kissed him. Like, yeah, we've been telling you for a year that it's this yeah. bad. It's hard, it's hard for bystanders to really get the, the seriousness of it. Absolutely. I, I guess. Yeah, until they're until they're in the situation of take being the primary caregiver. The parent. yeah, and I think. Well, and I think and, and, that there's more there's, nowadays. There's more kids with food allergies, and I think there's yeah. better education, especially in schools. Um, kids that are younger, I've I find recently understand food allergies right away. Um, 
But kid, when he was little, kids didn't necessarily understand it. They thought it was yeah. funny, um, you know, kind of waving food in his face, um, not understanding how horrified we were. Um, and their parents didn't either because it just wasn't as many kids his age that, um, at least in our community, maybe in other communities, but at least in our community, we didn't know anybody else that had severe allergies like he did. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty lonely, it's a pretty lonely yeah. road especially back then when it was so it was it was there weren't many when we went when we first were looking at schools for kindergarten we went we visited a, a a local school here and we were discussing with them his food allergies and like oh, okay well we we do snack time at 10 and the kids eat what are the little cheesy fish things called cheese cheeses or cheese goldfish or, goldfish yeah goldfish. And we're like goldfish. oh okay well he's allergic mm-hmm. on contact and that's the worst like that powdery cheese that greasy powdery cheese is the worst because it just gets on yeah, everything. Yeah, it gets, it gets everywhere. <laughs> so we're like, oh, okay, could, would y'all be willing to substitute the snack? I'm like, no, we can move him to this other room when they do snack time. We're like, that's unacceptable. Like, we're not going to. They actually told me they don't have to accommodate is, is the wording they gave me. We don't have to accommodate. Um, and so then that started our journey of homeschooling, which kept him healthy for yeah. a very long time. <laughs> but that's yeah, it. So- that comes with, you know, I mean, there's pros and cons to homeschooling and I won't get into all that, but that was one of the major reasons that we chose homeschooling. Just to, in, in looking for a school for him that would be adequate and finding out that sending him, sending him away for school was, was just too much of a risk that led to homeschooling, right? Keeping it at home, teaching him. I certainly knew of schools that were good at accommodating. I taught at one that was great, but it was far away from the house. And I wasn't willing to send him somewhere if they called me because it was going to happen and say he has a reaction. Then I can't get to him in time or he's now riding the ambulance by himself to an ER. Um, It just wasn't something that I could sit well with as a five-year-old. Yeah. The homeschooling is a huge shift and change for in your for your family's life. I don't know if that was something that you were planning to do when Josh was born, but it was not. Um, it's a huge shift. <laughs> it was not. I was I was going back to work. Um, I had a I had a coworker that homeschooled. So when we were looking for schools and and there were we couldn't find schools you know willing to accommodate, that started a conversation with Jen and his wife. And that became that became a, a, a legitimate option mm. on the table that we um, that we considered, and ultimately did. Yeah. What other home modifications did you have to make, or do you do you have you made? I guess they're, they're probably continuing, but just to keep him safe, what other home modifications are there? We um, so we don't keep any food with dairy or peanut. Um, if we do buy snacks that um the rest of us can eat and he can't we keep those in a separate room um away from him not in, in the separate kitchen snack room a separate yeah. snacky room um like we also have to think uh, about should have a safe um now that i have a teenage daughter cosmetics we go through them regularly when she buys them i have to read the ingredients to make sure because she shares a bathroom with him um, to make sure that they don't have milk or peanut, which is in a lot of cosmetics, um, all yep. the way down to shampoo, really? soap, conditioner, all of that. Cleaning products, you name mm. it, we've had to, I've had to learn 
all the different ways that milk is labeled. And it's not all labeled easily. It doesn't say milk. There are food. It, yeah, it doesn't say milk. It doesn't, well, for food, it does. Um, for food, now we have good labeling laws, but we don't for cosmetics. We don't for alcohol that um, we're recognizing now that he's getting older. Like, oh, that's another thing that we're going to have to learn um, and teach him on how to recognize his allergen in those in yeah. those products. So you, you you had to make the big adjustment adjustment of like what products could be brought into your home and who could come into your home, I, I suspect, or. Um, right. We ask everybody and, and people think I'm crazy <laughs> when I ask them this, but to please wash your hands when you walk in. Um, I, and it's a turnoff for some people. We've had people that don't want to come over because of that simple rule. Um, it's unfortunate. It's no fun, but it's something that we recognized early on. Cut down his reactions to almost yeah. none. I don't. I can't remember the last time he's had a reaction in our house um, because we just simple. Just ask people to yeah. wash their hands. If people show up with like a coffee drink, I'll have to ask them to please leave it outside. Yeah. I'm really, really sorry. Or you can finish that yeah. before you come in. But um, yeah, we don't allow anybody to bring in any food or drink that has his allergen in it. What, what ways have you, you found to accommodate this in, in ways that have been helpful and, and maybe even beneficial for your family? Like how, how have you coped with this in a way that uh, has, has made all of this okay? What, what have you found that helps all of you feel better about this? Ooh. <laughs> made it feel better. You know, it, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's a constant, it's, it's constantly in the background. I mean, it, it's, it's an ever present thing that we need to deal with, but I will say just kind of some, some positive takes takeaways are we really learned about food and food ingredients. We're probably, uh, I say healthier in terms of the ingredients that we eat mm-hmm. as a family. You know, I would say 95% of our meals are are cooked from scratch. You know, we can't even, we, we rarely even buy like processed boxed foods, like, you know, quick preparation stuff. Cause it's very difficult to know what well, we can tell if it has dairy or not usually, but then you, there's facility issues. Is it, is it manufactured or packaged in a facility that also manufactures or packages milk or peanut products? So I would say we've really learned about food and cooking. Um, our two oldest kids like to cook. Um, for themselves right now. And they cook well. And they cook well. <laughs> In fact, Josh commented recently, uh, he had some friends over and I cooked, a, um, I, we went and got, we went to the fish market and we got redfish. We cooked scallops. Uh, I made a rice, rice pilaf and, and one of his friends kind of didn't like some of that stuff. And one of his comments to me was, I really have a pretty diverse diet. I'm like, yeah, you can cook just about anything when you cook it from scratch because you know what's going in it. Mm-hmm. So so I would say we have, you know, pretty diverse diet. Our kids know how to cook, which is fun. And we we eat a lot of meals together as a family as a result, I would say, because of that. Yeah, that's a fascinating part of this is that um, you discovered it through food. Like by by and food is life. Food is what gives us life. And so you're you know, I guess I'm getting philosophical here for a second, but you're you're a young mom. You're trying to keep your young baby alive. You're giving them life through food. 
you think you're giving them something that's going to be okay and safe. So, it's, but instead of giving them life, they're all of a sudden get having a terrible reaction to it. So then you you have to make this huge change, and now food becomes dangerous. And and like danger is everywhere. It's on every toddler's fingertips potentially. It's in every snack potentially. It's like the the world is 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 uh, wallpapered in danger at that point. And then you make this adjustment back to like, no, 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 we can take control of this. We have some authority over this. We can figure out what ingredients we can bring into our house and, and we can make our own meals together. And, and you mentioned your kids cooking. Now your kids are cooking and Josh is talking about his diverse diet and (laughs) it's like food has become life again. Food is, is joy again. Food is sustenance. Food is entertainment and all, all of that. And it's a really interesting journey how food is like woven through all of this. Yeah. And, and for me coming, you know, my parents are Cuban. I'm Cuban. Like food is so central and, and there's food that's just not safe from our culture. And that was, a, that was actually a challenge. I probably had a, it was probably a lot harder for me to, to, cope or deal with it than Jen. Jen's pretty much, okay, this is what it is. This is what I'm going to do. And that's our life. And she's very tunnel focused. She's got tunnel vision. <laughs> me, I'm like, like it took me a long time to grieve some of the, some of that stuff. Um, yeah. It really, it really did. And, uh, you know, you talked about food being life and danger being everywhere. I read early on um, in a book written by a food and it was very, it wasn't very easy to find a lot of resources back then. But this one book, there's a, a line in it that has stuck with me. She goes, when you're the parent of a food allergic child, there's a very thin line between paranoia and caution. And mm. often you don't know what side of the line you're on. Yeah. Yeah. That, never. Really. <laughs> you're like, you're not Am I quite being paranoid? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, if I if I ignore outside of our immediate family, it never feels like paranoia. It's only when I see other people's reactions to what we have to do that I start to feel like maybe I'm crazy. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. This is, this is real. Um, and that's, that's been the hardest part for me is other people's reactions to this. And then, um, how I internalize that, like, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not crazy. This is necessity. Um, and just having to ignore all of that noise, that background noise. And I still hear it. I mean, I hear it all the time. You know, oh, you're going to have to be comfortable with other people cooking for him. No, I, I really don't. Like, that might be the norm for everyone else. It's not going to be his norm. Um, and, and everything is okay until people start to say, well, you just need to do this or you need to just try this. And Honestly, I just wish people would allow us to keep him alive. <laughs> that's that's all I'm trying to do. That's all he's trying to do is just to stay alive and enjoy other parts of life. And in New Orleans, I know that's hard because our culture is very food centric. Um, and people always invite us over and we can't accept because of his allergies. And I mean, that can be hard to constantly say no. And then... Yeah. But then we have good friends that will invite themselves to our house, which is what it sounds crazy. But I've told people many times, like, we can't come to your house, but you are more than welcome to invite yourself to ours. And the friends that have done that for us, those are the ones that have stuck by us and it's made this doable. Yeah. That 
that I'm a couples therapist, so here's a couples question. This has got, oh this boy. has had to have put some, <laughs> you, you can't have always agreed about how to handle those differences, those nuances and like yeah. figure that I just, all oh, out. I, I, of course, I just, I just agree <laughs> with her. I just fall in line. <laughs> yeah. We're good. It would be a lot easier if you just agreed with me all the time. What? Yeah. <laughs> this is, this is a, uh, there's, I imagine for most couples of a, of a kid with some unique needs that it puts an extra layer of pressure on their relationship. Have y'all noticed that, felt that? Oh, for oh sure. absolutely. We both yeah. deal with um, anxiety in very different ways. I have an anxiety disorder. Eric doesn't. Um, so I tend to internalize things and keep, and they stay with me longer. The worries stay with me longer. Yeah. And there's nothing like an invisible threat to like exacerbate an anxiety disorder, right? That's what people have figured out in the last year with COVID is like stuff you can't see freaks us out. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) I I would say the the challenge is I'm, you know, I'm in a business that involves me um, having to interact with people, networking a lot. I go to conferences and I go to conferences where people will bring their families with them and I'm like, oh, I could easily bring my family with me. No, I can't easily bring my family with me because how in the world do I feed a food allergic kid? And that's always hard for me. Every meal in a hotel. <laughs> Every meal in a hotel with no access to a kitchen. It's just, it's it's impossible. And so that that kind of that kind of that's that's been a stressful thing. You know, I travel from time to time for work, and I often feel guilty when I'm away because you know Jen has to cook all the meals. It's not like, hey, let's order pizza or let's have so-and-so cook for us tonight. Um, you know, there, there's a handful of people who we trust to prepare food for us. And of those people, um, a couple of them would have to be who we were confident in their cooking ability to know what they're cooking with, but they would have to be in our their, house. Their food doesn't suck. Is that what you're saying? Or they're, it's safe. <laughs> Sucks or it's not, safe. dude. It's <laughs> safe. We, we, we will take sucky food if it's safe. Um, yeah. If it makes life easy from time to time. But there's no... There's no, hey, it's 5.30, I'm coming home late from work, could you just pick something up on your way home? It's, let me go pick something up that's already thawed go, Let's go the pick up ingredients is, what is, yeah. is the line. Go pick up ingredients. So yeah. now the challenge is, can I pick something up from the grocery store and come home and cook it within 30 minutes? That's like, that's like our fast food. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, know that, I know that there's a uh, fried chicken place near your home that... Um, you can go and get fried chicken that's safe, and that you've had you've had to have conversations with the fried chicken restaurant owner about like, is your fried chicken actually milk free oh, yes. and safe? They know is, us. Is your is your place <laughs> safe for my kid? And that they take that seriously. Y'all take that seriously, and so that's one safe place that you can get. Yeah, but even chicken. then, even then, man, even ingredients then it's a, change. It's scary, right? Ingredients yeah. change. We get. Uh, Jen will get, I'm not on, I'm not on the email list, but Jen will get like recall notices from, you know, like Lay's potato chips. Lay's is safe. Like, like regular Lay's is packaged in a separate facility. But I remember getting years ago, uh, a recall saying, oh, we accidentally put like cheddar flavored in a plain bag. Jeez. Right. Right. So you're like, oh my gosh. And you're checking That's lot numbers. <laughs> yeah. So let's... What what is happening with like labeling the food right now? Um, that's is is it getting better? I see the little notices on the things I eat that are like may contain 
may contain. That's got to be the right, worst phrase contain. for a parent with food. So they legally contain. have to put what is in the food. They don't have to say contains milk or, you know, the, the top, well, there's top nine allergens now. In their ingredient list, they do have to list the allergens. Um, then some companies put their um, facility statements, which is even more helpful for people like us because Josh has had reactions to things that don't have milk in them. Um, and I've had to call those companies and ask around and not every company is forthcoming. They don't really want to tell me exactly how they make the food. But um, I have come across things and they're like, yes, actually we do make food with dairy in the same facility. Um, we're very sorry that your kid has had a reaction. Here's a gift card to more of our products, which I usually just yeah. pass off. No, thank you. Um, but so the, the may contain statement, it's, it's hit or miss as to whether it's helpful or not. Um, we tend to stick with products that we know work um, and we don't really sure. deviate a whole lot. There was a year where he started having these reactions and they were mild, but there were reactions nonetheless when he would eat stuff. And we we would you try to like, what did I cook with? And you, you backtrack, you look at the ingredients, you couldn't figure it out. They involved then his I throat. Found, All of his reactions involved his his throat. And he went to the ER four times that year. Yeah, we figured out that it was I found this obscure article online that there was a cumin packaging facility out of I think it was India or Singapore, something somewhere out east. And what they were doing is they were grinding peanut shells as a filler to to make the the cumin go further. But nothing was labeled. It was a, it was an obscure article, and um, and I stopped using the cumin that we had, and the reactions almost stopped it immediately. Right, and then there wound up being a worldwide oh. recall for cumin, but it wow. took four reactions like for so us to figure that out. So tedious. <laughs> yeah. Right. So. So ingredients change. So some place is safe today, a product is safe today, and then tomorrow you're like, oh. mm. mm -hmm. I know that, um, changing the subject a little bit, I know that Disney World has played a really special place in your, your life and your family's life. What, what is that? What's going on at Disney? <laughs> this isn't, a, con this isn't a, uh, a commercial for Disney, but you guys have had a great experience there. Disney, um, they, for food allergies, they will prepare your food separately. You will, they will have a chef. You can ask for a chef if you need to, to come to the table and you can talk to the head chef and they will walk you through what's safe, what's not. They'll say, what do you want? Um, and they will go prepare it themselves. And it's guaranteed. Well, I guess they can't guarantee that it's totally safe because there's no guarantees in life, but he has yet to have a reaction at Disney World from food. He's had reactions to touching things, but not from ingesting any food that was prepared at Disney. Yeah, they'll prepare it in a separate, they have a separate kitchen, separate pot, separate pan, separate utensils. Separate everything. And he's, separate everything. he's almost cried sometimes. I mean, it sounds so silly, but he'll get served a plate of food and it just looks so good. And it, I mean, he's talked to a chef and told them, I want this, I want this. And they bring it out and he's just like in awe that he can eat from somebody else from a restaurant. Cause that, that doesn't happen in his no. life. He doesn't go out to restaurants. No. We've tried. So he doesn't do dates. He doesn't do, um, 
Yeah, he doesn't yeah. do the normal teenage stuff. He'll have people come over and we will cook for them. Um, which I guess is yeah. safer anyway. <laughs> so 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 Disney Disney's really special in that he gets to to be in some way uh, uh not a special needs kid, just a typical needs right. kid that that week. Right. Yeah. Food food is life again. Yeah. Yeah. Food is not scary. Yeah. So, so our present, yeah. our present and biggest challenge is, you know, we're starting to look at colleges and that is yeah. kind of anxiety raising as a parent. You know, col- college like dorm, college is all filled with ubiquitous gravies, murky. <laughs> we don't know what's in it. Gravy. Yeah. That's like the college, uh, eating experience, dining hall. Right. Yeah. Which he so won't, you're starting to, he will not be able to do most places. I mean, I, and, and that's a conversation we, we have and we've had with a couple of colleges as to how do you handle food allergies? And they tell us. And then we say, how do you handle severe? Um, and so it might be that he cannot live on campus and that he won't get that experience. And that adds a level of more independence that he will need as a freshman in college that most freshmen don't have to think about their first year living away from home. Uh, what else... Would you like us to know about food allergies? Just, you know, I don't know that much about it myself, but um, both kind of like the advocacy side of, of things that you wish the rest of us knew and then like uh, maybe some a lesson that you've learned along the way. For, for me, I would say, uh, I guess wish people knew is the difference between like a legit food allergy and an intolerance or even today, I mean, there's some, there's some trendy food diets that, um, you know, we have a family member who used to cook uh, locally at a restaurant and, you know, he was aware of Josh's food allergies and he would share stories about these people coming in who are like on these trendy food diets, trying to avoid certain ingredients and, and sometimes being belligerent about it. And what the problem that that does is people who have, who actually have severe allergies, it kind of makes people not take it seriously. So, you know, I wish people understood the severity of food allergies that, um, yeah. it's not like, it's not like respiratory allergies where treatment is a little bit of exposure in small amounts, like food allergies, like any exposure in any amount is not good. And a lot of people think that oh, just a little bit's not going to hurt. A little bit is all it takes. Yeah. Like I, I have a kid that when we go to the doctor, the doctor goes, are you allergic to anything? And my son, you know, the doctor's really asking, like, are you allergic to any medicines? Right. And my son, my son always says, yes, I am allergic to cats. And the doctor's like, okay, <laughs> cat, write it down. <laughs> but that's, you're saying, Eric, you're talking about just, I wish people knew the difference between like life and death, death allergies and like irritants. Yeah. Or even fad food diets. Those are categorically different things. Josh is life or death. Right. Yep. Allergy. Yep. And that's got to be handled differently or understood differently by the rest of us. I would say yeah. for me, I would appreciate if people would, let's say they invite us somewhere and we say we can't come because of allergies for people to say, what could we do to make it so y'all could come? Not like, oh, but I'll cook this food this way. Like, um, just, mm-hmm. you you know, people need to not take it 
personally, when we say we can't have your food, it's not, it's not a judgment. Um, it's, it's really life and death. And I don't want to put anybody in that situation to be the cause of his reaction. Um, but for people to say, what could we do? That's huge. It might be that you can't do anything (laughs) and that, and that the circumstance can't change, but sometimes there can be, sometimes we can get around it or we can come for a little Mm -hmm. bit and leave. Yeah. Just, uh, that sounds like a lot more humility on the part of, of us, the rest of us, the public to just say, uh, not, no, I can, I'm special. I can accommodate this. Not, not that just to say what what would make it right. What could we do? Yeah. Yeah. What could, what could we do to help you be comfortable? And that, it sounds like that even maybe inviting ourselves over. Hey, come on over. What if we just do this at your house? You can come on over. Yeah. (laughs) Come on over. Yeah. Look, and Jen said, half the time it's because we don't want to put you in that situation. Like I have been the reason my kid has gone to the ER the most times. Yeah. It's me. I'm the one yeah. who's trusted people. I'm the one who, 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 who's cooked those meals. I'm the one who bought the wrong type of lunch meat, which has milk protein in it while we're at Disney world <laughs> and how to bring them to the ER while we're in Disney world. It's me. And it, it is a terrible feeling to be the person who is the reason. And, um, it's not fun. So when we say, yeah. now look, I really appreciate it, but I, I'm pretty educated in this and I make mistakes. I would hate for you to be the reason that my kid has to go to the ER or has to get administered an EpiPen because it is a funky needle and intimidating. Mm. Yeah, I would hate that too, honestly. I mean, I, I would hate uh, that that one of us were the cause of your kid's severe reaction to something that'd be super scary and and awful. You know, I I admire you guys so much. I know, I know you, I love you. I know your story, uh, parts of it for sure. Um, And, and I I appreciate you sharing this with us. Are there any resources that if somebody's in the situation that you would, you would point them to or or you found helpful and useful? Yeah. uh, Foodallergy.org is a really good one for advocacy. There's a lot of really good education pieces. There's there's like how-tos if you're going to a restaurant, what you need to do in advance. Um, so some of the things that we describe that we've learned along the way, like call in advance, talk to the chef, ask mm-hmm. if that person's going to be there, the one that you talk to. Uh, but just all kinds of different scenarios for toddlers, teenagers. Um, it's an advocacy um, organization. Um, but I would say... If someone if someone's listening and they have a food allergy, email me. Reach out to me. The best thing you can do is reach out to someone who's who's living it or has lived it, because they're gonna they're gonna understand. Absolutely. The fine line between paranoia and caution. <laughs> yeah, we get it. You're you're not being crazy. We get it. <laughs> it's terrifying. Yeah. Jen, any resources that you as a as a mom in this situation have find a doctor a pediatrician or a GP that you trust and that will listen to you and find yourself a really good allergist. Um, And don't be afraid to, if you make an appointment and you don't like that doctor, don't go back, find another one. Um, You need to stick up for yourself in the medical community. They're humans too. They make mistakes. Um, But the doctors that listen to me or they listen to Josh, They've been phenomenal in getting him through this and keeping him alive. Yeah. 
be an advocate. Yeah, yeah. If you're not getting the help you need, no, don't, you don't, don't, you you pay don't have them. to go back. Find somebody else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and kind of along those same lines is you have to be the advocate for your kid. No one else is. No one else is. No one else is going to ask the hard questions. No one else is going to say, no, I know my kid has a food allergy. If it wasn't for Jen yep. pressing early on, we probably would have gone a lot longer and had more severe reactions if it wasn't for her, um, just kind of her persistence in the matter. Yeah. You guys are amazing. And, and thank you so much for sharing your, your own story. Eric, you're the, you're the co-host of this show. So thanks for stepping back. You barely stepped back at all, but thanks for stepping back into the guest role and, uh, and sharing some of you all's story. Eric, since you are the, the guest, I get to wrap up today. Um, but you know, I, I've, I've watched you guys care for, for Josh for a long time. Um, and you do an amazing job and, and, um, you always say, Eric, at the end of our show, you say, invest in your relationships, man, what an investment you guys have made in the life of your, your son and in the, the health of your family. Um, you guys are a model for how to invest in your relationships. Hey everyone, it's Matt. You just heard a whole episode where the parents, Eric and Jen Garcia, were talking about their son. We spent a lot of time talking about their son, Josh, in uh, his food allergies and the issues that come along with that. We thought it would be amazing to actually talk to Josh. So hang on for a few minutes and you'll get to hear Josh in his own words. So Josh, I know that you've been dealing with the food allergy issue all your life. I've, I've known you for a large chunk of your life and I've known that you've uh, dealt with this for all of your life. In what ways over the years, maybe even thinking back to your earlier years as a, as a kid, little kid, in what ways did this affect you early on? Do you remember? Well, you know, it really did limit uh, my social options. Um, it was a, um, a surprising disease, um, if you'll put it that way, because it really hampered my ability to go out in public to see people yeah. because we were very concerned about my health. And so, you know, um, for the first few years of my life, it was probably the most difficult because it was something that my parents had to get used to. Um, you know, over the years, I didn't really know a different life, so it was completely fine with me. Um, my dad learned to cook. And when I was old enough, I learned to cook too. Um, and in that way, I'm learned very to blessed. Cook. That's great. Yeah. In that way, I'm very blessed because I didn't grow up on a diet of fast food. Like I was always eating home cooked meals. And yeah. um, I consider myself a pretty good cook nowadays because of it. So I'm very blessed to, you know, get good meals and to eat healthily because of it. Yeah. I, I can remember going out to, to lunch or dinner with your family one time, a long time ago, many years ago. And I think we went to a restaurant in New Orleans that was called uh, Casablanca. Is that right? Yes. And what What are your memories of Casablanca? Ooh, it was a while ago. Um, I remember, you know, loving the atmosphere, uh, loving the staff. We had a very good relationship with the owner, Linda. Um, and for a very long time, we felt safe eating there because everything was clean. You know, there wasn't any dairy. Um, then why, wouldn't, why wasn't there dairy in that restaurant? What do you know about that restaurant's cuisine that was dairy-free? Oh, it was a Jewish restaurant. It was kosher. Um, and the specific brand of kosher had no milk. 
no, all milk and meat are separate in kosher kitchens, but this kitchen in particular, no milk at all. Mm-hmm. No milk. And so was that at the time the only restaurant that you could eat at in New Orleans? Yes. Um, that I think is the only restaurant I've ever eaten at in New Orleans. Oh, wow. Wow. And so when you're talking about eating well and eating at home, you're, you mean every meal, every single meal. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I like saw a actually, picture of you. I saw a picture of you recently. It was when you were a little kid and you were with, with some other kids that we know. And I think we were at the aquarium. What were those? Do you remember those kind of experiences where we, you'd be out in public and I'm sure kids would like eat stuff. They would eat French fries and pizza and ice cream. And you know, the aquarium had that little food court over there. How did you handle those situations? You were probably five or six years old. Well, I mean, um, I didn't handle them in any way I thought it was odd because I, you know, I just grown up doing that. Um, I but I mean, you, I just, you stayed, you had to stay away from the food, right? You yeah, had to I think stay I just, away from the food court. I think I just stayed away, did my own thing for a bit, and then just waited for everyone to regroup. Um, I've never really eaten around a bunch of people, and I, I tend yeah. to avoid that even at school. And so you were homeschooled for many years, right? Yes. When did you end up going to a, a, a school with a bunch of other kids? So the first time I was ever in a school with a bunch of other kids was in ninth grade uh, when I started high school. And it was a shock for, for many, many reasons. Um, I have eczema because of my food allergies, and I remember that started to flare up when I was, you know, around a bunch of people, around their food. Yeah. Um, and it was, you know, so like kind of shocking the, to be around so many people all at once. Paint the picture. Like, how, is it, how many people go to this school? Or how many people would be eating lunch together in the cafeteria? So at Franklin, there's uh, about 900 students, 902,000 students um, yeah. when I first started going. The good thing about it is you can eat wherever you want, so you don't have to sit in the cafeteria, because I yeah. can't be in the cafeteria for extended periods of time. I either have to wear a mask or can't be in there at all. The, aller- the allergens are just everywhere. Yes, it, yeah. it, it makes it very hard to breathe. And did that all go well, eating at school, maybe even sequestering yourself or trying to eat more alone, um, really trying to protect your own food? Did that go pretty well? Um, for the most part, I think it went well. There was a, you know, there's a few incidents. Um, I remember, uh, one time I was, you know, trying to eat lunch with some friends that, you know, understood it and I was keeping it safe distance from them. And then someone that I had known, um, and that had known me, you know, walked by and dropped a Cheeto in my lunchbox, uh, you know, while I wasn't even looking, um, you know, I'm very glad I didn't deck him that day. But um, or eat the Cheeto. What would, I mean, just to just to recap, you have a severe milk allergy. Cheetos mm-hmm. have some version of cheese on them, and so this would and the Cheeto was dropped in your lunchbox on your food, right? Something like that. Yes. You could have eaten the Cheeto or or eaten something that the Cheeto touched. I guess you probably wouldn't have eaten the Cheeto, but mm-hmm. but it um, it, it could have killed me. Like, um, the long and the short of it is, um, 
if I eat any form of dairy in any significant amount, even small amounts, um, I'll need to take my EpiPen, go to the ER. Um, and so, you know, like at the time, I was just like, why? I, I, I don't understand what pleasure are you deriving out of this? Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, other than that, it's been, you know, a mostly all right experience. There's been um, some incidents where, you know, other kids just dislike me for different reasons and they target my food allergies as something to make fun of me about. It's quite childish. Yeah, high schoolers and, and myself included in this could were could be quite childish. We did all I did all kinds of stupid stuff that I uh, regret looking back. Um, maybe it made sense at that moment in my life, but it didn't doesn't look doesn't make any sense looking back. And kids are sometimes childish and mean and cruel. Yeah, and you know you just can't let that get to you because you know like whatever happens, they're going to be childish and cruel. And if they weren't making fun of you for X reason, they're going to make fun of you for Y reason. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, my food allergies to me aren't anything that is necessarily 100% bad because, you know, I've gotten some good things out of it. Um, I spend a lot more of my time um, inside reading. I spend a lot more of my time um, learning to be okay, being alone. I spend a lot more of my time learning to cook well. So I'm always going to eat well throughout my life. Mm -hmm. Um and so while these kids are going to say, oh, yeah, this is an inherently negative thing that we can bully you about. Like, no, they're, they're just wrong. Yeah. They, their claim to fame is they get to go to McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. So you're, you're getting close now to going to college. Uh, what are you looking forward to in the next phase, phase of life? Next phase of life is you know, going to be very interesting. I'm looking forward to, you know, the freedom that's going to give me, but I'm also, you know, a little apprehensive about the freedom that's going to give me um, because it'll be the first time I'm living away from mom and dad and I'm not yeah. going to have them, you know, watching over me, keeping me safe, protecting me like I've had my whole life. Um, and, you know, I, I, think, I think of myself as fairly responsible, as able to take care of myself. Um, but you know, it's going to be yeah. different. A big shift. Yeah. Move, moving away, living away, living away from their, their protection, their guidance, all of that. guess you could live at home and nah. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, you're, you're looking forward to getting out. Well, thank man. Thank you for talking to us about this. And, um, I hope that it connects with other people and I hope that people, um, understand that this is this is both something that you've lived with and dealt with but it's also something that you're you seem to be okay with it's okay yeah absolutely uh thanks for having me dr matt morris maintains an active private practice for couples and families in the greater new orleans area to learn more about his work visit drmattmorris.com Eric Garcia can be found online at plan-wisely.com. His branch office is located in New Orleans, Louisiana. The branch phone number is 504-218-5479. Securities offered through Royal Alliance Associates Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through New Century Financial Group, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Insurance services offered through Garcia Financial Group, LLC. Entities listed are not affiliated. 